Right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. Praise the Lord. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord on a cold winter's night? That was so deep. Sorry, I won't do it again. My bad, my bad. All right. <laughs> like, we'll leave the singing to those guys, but yeah, I love some Christmas music. All right, well, we're going to have a great time tonight. Uh, who was here this morning? We got to baptize all those people. Wasn't that beautiful? Had an awesome baptism service and uh, really got to uh, just have a great Christmas morning. Well, tonight we're going to have a good time as well. Let's go ahead and stand up together and we are going to open up just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus some praise, and you may be seated. Very good. As you can see, the platform is pretty much all the way there. So let's give the Lord some praise for that. That's exciting. It's got a little bit of paint to do up here, but I mean, it's really, really uh, come full circle here. And also the nursery and Jam Junior classrooms are reopened upstairs. They're completed and good to go. So it is just really exciting 
four months in the making, and it is really pretty much at the end here. So uh, that is just really, really awesome, and we're celebrating that victory this week. All right, a few things here. Uh, we have uh, tomorrow, um, New Hope Village is going to be picking, or Greater Hope Foundation, I'm sorry, is going to be picking up the toy donations that we have offered. And so uh, if you have a, oh, here's more toys coming in the door right now. Look at that. So uh, if you brought toys, let's get them in the box right there. Amen. Let's hear it for Norma. She came in with some two toys. She brought two. All right. Didn't mean to put her on blast like that, but she listened this morning. That's good. So uh, we're going to be uh, taking those over there tomorrow and kind of doing our part to make sure all the kids in Barstow have toys this year. All right. Um, this Thursday is Young Adults Night, and uh, it's going to be for ages 18 to the 30-ish. And uh, we have... Laura Cook and her band are flying in that day. Uh, they're flying in that very morning, and they're going to get right up here to Barstow. They're going to be doing our Young Adults Night that night in Victory Hall. It says 7 p.m. It's actually 6.30 p.m., but uh, come on out that night, Young Adults. And I even talked to her. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? I was like, you can do a Bible lesson, but hey, if you got the guitars out, let's have a little acoustic worship. So she said, yeah. So we're going to have a kind of a small-scale time of worship together. And uh, I just really encourage you, if you don't normally come to young adults, but you're in that age group, come on out that night. It's going to be an anointed and really, really good time. Now, Friday night is a big night. Everybody needs to know this. Friday night at 7 p.m. is going to be the actual concert with Laura and her band. They're called Seven Song, and uh, they're doing a full Christmas concert in here. They'll probably do a few worship songs in the mix also, but it's going to be a really, really nice evening. Uh, we're kind of setting it up with uh, some tables and stuff to sit around, and it's just going to be a really, really great night. So don't miss Friday night. Free concert. Bring friends. Bring family. Uh, we want to have a nice turnout that night to just celebrate this. We've never been able to do that. Wow. He's got some speed. Look at that. That's that kid's fast. All right. So, um, let's see. Uh, the Christmas service is this coming Sunday morning, everybody. This is one of the biggest days of our entire year. So Sunday morning, 10 a.m. The children will be doing their Christmas performance. They've got a full-scale play they're doing, and they've been working really hard on that. And uh, there's, of course, Christmas dinner directly following the service. So food, food, food. And the sign-up sheet is back there if you didn't get a chance to sign up for that. And one of the biggest things is there is a gift for every child in the service, from nursery-age newborns all the way up to teenagers, 18 years old. We've got a gift for every single uh, child and teenager there and we really want to bless them that day so bring some friends bring some family there's invitations on the info booth for the laura cook concert and for the christmas service and next sunday night we are still having service next sunday night amen <laughs> typically we don't have sunday night service on the day of the christmas um the big christmas dinner and everything but i was looking at that i'm like well the next sunday is christmas day there won't be any service christmas day evening there will be in the morning but i didn't want to miss too many sunday nights in a row so uh there will indeed be uh christmas there will be sunday night service next sunday night and hey even if it's just me and my wife and kids and Jesus, yeah, we're going to have Christmas. We're going to have the service, all right? So come on out, and it's going to be a great night. Oh, Lauren said he'd be here. Anybody else going to be here next Sunday night? There we go. Yeah. Hey, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Amen? So it's going to be a great night. 
Now, uh, the candlelight service, one of our favorite nights of the year, Christmas Eve candlelight service will be on the 24th, Christmas Eve, at 6 p.m. You should come out to that. It's a wonderful evening. It's brief. You know, we're here for 30, 45 minutes or so. We're just singing some Christmas songs. Who's going to be at the Christmas Eve candlelight service? Consider this your official RSVP. All right. You're locked in. If you don't show up, we're tracking you down. All right. So uh, 6 p.m., and it's a wonderful night where we're going to just sing some Christmas songs and worship the Lord together, and it is one of the most beautiful nights of the whole year for us. So make sure you're here for that. Final thing I'm going to tell you is the bookstore is having 20% off of everything in there for the whole month of December, and so I encourage you, if you know, you've been looking at a new Bible or a book or something, it's a good time to get it, but it's also a good time to get something as a gift for somebody else, and that's the biggest thing we can do is get the Word of God out to people. Amen? All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it's happy time. And we looked at that verse this morning, actually, in the message. It was 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. So we get cheerful. But I'm going to have us open our Bibles tonight to Malachi 3 for a minute. And if you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. We're going to look at Malachi 3 because there's always, uh, this is obviously one of the main references that, uh, churches use regarding tithes and offerings, but there's something we're going to pull out here. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. I'll be in the NLT here. Malachi chapter 3. And it's, uh, man, here we go. So let's look at verse 8. It says, should people cheat God? Should they? Negative. Bad idea. In fact, you know, the King James says, should should a man rob God? And that, that's, that's always going to be a solid no. You don't want to rob God. You don't want to cheat God. Yet the Lord says, you have cheated me. But you ask, well, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? He says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Now, there's a distinction that this verse makes here between the tithe and the offering. It says that they are two separate things. Now, uh, we know that through studying scripture that uh, the tithe is 10%. Tithe means 10th. And it says that that belongs to the Lord in Leviticus 27, verse 30. It says it's holy and belongs to the Lord. But this verse also tells us that there's a thing called offerings. And a lot of the stuff we've been doing lately, the the toys for the children, the offerings, uh, some of the different projects and things we've been doing, those are offerings. And so um, verse 9, it says, you're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now we do know that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. God will not put a curse on you for not tithing. But hey, you can kind of uh, open yourself to the curse of, the, of this world by not obeying God's word. So maybe God's not cursing you. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but you can kind of curse your own finances. So verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse or the temple, or we would say the church, so there will be enough food in my temple. That would mean enough provision, enough resources in God's house. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Amen. And so as we are obedient to God's word in the area of our finances, uh, listen, there's a blessing in it 
for us. Now, I'm not just tithing because God promised to give me stuff, all right? That's not my reason is I want to obey his word. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so that's a good enough reason right there for me to be a tither and to be a giver and a generous person because I love him and I want to obey his word. Amen. Uh, All right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. And we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Then we're going to get into some worship together this evening and get into the word of God. Amen. Josh looks kind of lonely on that giant platform, doesn't he? <laughs> we built a platform the size of Florida and, and Josh is the only man up there. All right. <laughs> Praise God. But hey, Sunday nights are for the fun, cozy bunch. Amen. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and uh, speak some words of faith over our giving. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, binding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Since I am up here all by myself tonight, I need some audience participation. If we can, let's put our hands together. When we get to the chorus of this song, there's a part where we sing, our God is great. And when we sing that, I want us to shout it at the top of our lungs, because our God is great. So let's sing together. Let's clap if we can. Let's sing to the Lord a new song. Lift up his name with joyful praise. And sing of his sweet salvation morning to night and day to day. Lift up your voice and thank Him. Our God provides our every need. Worship the God of mercy Who gave his life to set us free Our God is greatly to be praised Nothing in all the earth compares to him The God of glory and of praise Let's sing it out Our God is great, our God is great Our God is greatly to be praised Nothing in all the earth Compares to him, the God of glory and of grace. Let's try that again. Our God is great. Our God is great. Shout to the God of triumph. Every tongue proclaim his praise and boast in the resurrection in Jesus. 
Jesus Christ who rules and reigns. Our God is greatly to be praised. Nothing in all the earth compares to Him, the God of glory and of grace. Here we go. Our God is great. Our God is great. Our God is greatly to be praised. Nothing in all the earth compares to Him, the God of glory and of grace. Our God is great. Our God is great. Creation joins to praise Him. Let's sing this. Our God is great. Our God is great. The sinner found salvation. Our God is great. Our God is great. The church of Christ proclaims it. Our God is great. Our God is great. His kingdom shouts and sings it. Our God is great, our God is greatly to be praised. Nothing in all the earth compares to Him, the God of glory and of grace. Our God is great, our God is great. Creation joins to praise Him. Our God is great, our God is great. The sinner found salvation. Our God is great. Our God is great. The church of Christ proclaims it. Our God is great. Our God is great. His kingdom shouts and sings it. Our God is great. Our God is great. Our God is greatly to be praised. Nothing in all the earth compares to him the God of glory and of grace. One last time, let's sing it. Our God is great. Our God is words of this song and I feel like it's especially pertinent to this Sunday night crowd. I know there's some people that come on Sunday nights because they work Sunday mornings or whatever but there's a lot of us who come just because we just want to get more of God. We just want to be here every chance we get and that's what this song kind of talks about. You know you can never get too much of God so let's just sing this together. And I just want to be where you just want to be near your heart and there is nothing like your love and Jesus there is nothing like your love and I just want to be where you There is nothing like your 
just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love And Jesus, there is nothing like your love just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. One last time, let's raise our hands and sing holy. said in John chapter 4 he said now is the time for the true worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth and that's a powerful statement because a lot of people they may worship in spirit and get a little wild and stuff but there's not truth to it and then some people they you know they're singing songs that are pure truth but there's no spirit to it and Jesus said he's looking for worshipers who would worship in spirit and in truth and you know i was also looking at this the kind of the song we're singing here this is a worship song praise songs talk about you know well that god has done and all that you need god to do for you and well you know and those are great and praise songs are a little easier to sing than worship songs because worship requires that it's not one lick about you <laughs> it's all about just thanking and worshiping the lord for who he is uh, purely not asking for anything at all and it's a beautiful thing and worship takes a little bit more i believe of a maturity level sometimes because it's 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 a little bit harder to enter into true worship uh when really you're, it's all about jesus and not one bit about what you wanted to do for you 
And that's kind of what, what we're doing here tonight. But anyway, maybe we could just sing one more little line of that and we'll get into the word tonight. Amen. A holy, a holy, holy, a holy, a holy, a holy, and Jesus, I love you, and Jesus, I love you. I just want to be. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, we love you tonight. We ask that you would have your way in this service, Father. We ask that you would speak your truth to us, Lord. And we ask that you would purify us with your word, and your word is truth. And Lord, I ask that each one of us would have ears to hear. We would have soft hearts for the seed of the word of God to be planted. And we thank you that it is going to be a remarkable evening because of you, Lord. We love you, and we praise you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give him a little bit of praise this evening as we make our way to our seats? Amen. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. In fact, we read that out of the Psalms last Sunday morning. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And if you want joy, man, you get into the presence of God and you don't just get a little piece of the joy. It says there is the fullness of joy. And I love that. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into the word this evening. And I'm excited for this. I always love uh, getting to share the word of God. And this Sunday night group is always very anxious and hungry for the word, aren't you? You guys love the word of God? Yeah. All right. That's why you would come out on a, on a cold Sunday night where we're not used to rain and wind and well, okay. My back, we're used to wind. We're not used to rain and we got some today and uh, man, praise God, but I do love it. I love this stuff. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about this. The title is standing on the promises, standing on the promises. And, uh, there's an old, an old hymn, uh, called standing on the promises of God written in 1886. And, uh, and I know again, we don't do a lot of hymn singing around here, but th- this is a very powerful song that I listen to often. And, uh, and a lot of people will use the phrase from the song, uh, you know, uh, ask people how they're doing. Well, I'm standing on the promises, man. And you know, some people, <laughs> they just say that and they don't really know what they're saying. And then some people really are standing on the promises of God. But you need to know that when you've got a promise from God's word, and there's over 8,800 of them specifically mentioned in scripture, over 8,800 promises, uh, specifically that the word makes, at least that's what I counted when I read it last. No, I'm kidding. There's, <laughs> but there's a lot. And, um, and and really, you know, it's incredible, but those promises don't do you any good if you don't uh, read them and you don't stand on them and you don't actually believe them. And so it's important that you expect 
and that you claim that God will do what he says he will do in his word for you. Amen. And one thing that I've known is, you know, some people make a promise to you and you really don't expect anything to happen because their words no good. And, you know, don't, but I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I mean, come on, you know, somebody they're like, oh yeah, I promise I'll take care of that. And you're like, oh great. Now I'm gonna have to do it myself because we know they're not going to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's not a good spot to be in. If your word is no good to anybody, that's bad. And I know back in the day, man, you know, uh, you maybe do a business deal and all it took was a handshake and, uh, and you know, that was, that settled it, man, because people had to rely on their word being good or nobody would do business with them. Nobody would want to interact with them. But nowadays, to buy a stick of gum, you need to get a cosigner and have all sorts of, you know, collateral and uh, it's just crazy because People's word doesn't seem to be that good anymore. People have just, in a lot of ways, just been dishonest. And so that's why, you know, I've kind of said this before, but I'm careful with using the word promise. I mean, I'm not going to just blatantly or flippantly throw that word out there and say, hey, I promise you. And I catch my kids all the time. They'll come up and, and they know better at this point. But like, you know, but dad, you promised we could go to Del Taco after church. And I'm like, pump the brakes, kid. No, I did not. You did not use me, hear the words, use the words promise and Del Taco in the same sentence. That didn't happen, right? I mean, I save promises for big things. I promise to provide a roof over your head, all right? I don't promise a lot of other just little things because you're not going to come to me and say, you promised and then you didn't do it. They got me on that. I learned that early on. I used to make little promises. Yeah, I promise we'll get this later on and then I'd forget all about it. And then they started catching me. My kids got me and I learned I am not going to use the word promise except in genuine situations. And when I use the word promise, I really, really mean it. And so one word I use a lot is maybe, or we'll see, you know, (laughs) Hey, can we go to Disneyland on Friday? We'll see. And then they usually are like, that means no. I'm like, well, Hey, interpret that how you want to, but that's, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) But seriously, um, but a, a promise is only as good as the word of the one making it, right? And so if some people, they'll promise me something. I'm like, oh, good. I can sleep easy tonight. I know that they, they meant it. And, 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 and the promise, though, it's only as good as the word of the one making it. And I can tell you tonight, God's word is good. You know what I mean? God's word is good. If his word promised it, then you can take it to the bank. You can count on it that he will follow through on his word. Now, sometimes we don't follow through on our end because a lot of these promises, God's word says, hey, you do this, I'll do this. And then we're like, hey, why didn't you do that? And really, if you were listening to God, he'd say, well, you didn't do that. So that's, you know, some of these promises, you have a role to play in it. Amen. And so that's something to consider. But let's go ahead and we're going to get into uh, the word tonight. I'm going to get into this message. And I believe that God's going to speak to you if you will listen. Amen. So I just want to say another quick prayer and then we're going to get into this. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I do pray that once again that you'll speak to us this evening. And we know, Lord, that your word is truth. And you said if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. And, Lord, if there's anything that's holding us back in life, anything that's holding us in bondage or as a prisoner, Lord, we we don't want that, Lord. We want to be set free from anything that the enemy would use to hold us back and keep us captive in this life. And so I pray that we will receive the truth tonight. The truth will set us free. And you are going to speak to each person here in a wonderful way in the name of Jesus. Can we get a big amen this evening? Amen. All right. So we're talking about standing on the promises. So number one, the first thing I want to say is this, is you can trust God. You can. And again, I I repeat the phrase that a promise is only as good as the word of the one making it. Well, listen to me. You can trust God. He is very, very trustworthy. Now, the word promise in the English language, I should have looked it up more in the Greek or the Hebrew, but in the English language, a promise means, this will be on the screen there, a declaration which gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act. I'm going to say that again. It's right there. But a promise, at least in our English language, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, says it is a declaration which gives the person to whom it is made, check it out, a right to expect or to claim the performance of the act. And so if God's word has made a promise to you, you have an absolute right to expect it. And you have an absolute right to claim it. And some people are like, don't use that word claim, man. I will claim it all day long, brother. Claiming the word of God healed my, healed me of leukemia. Claiming the word of God, amen, saved my marriage. Claiming the word of God has brought me through every bad thing that's ever happened in my life. I claim the truth of God's promises, and I've seen some miraculous, wonderful things from it. I want you to look tonight at Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. Give me one more, Alex. (laughs) I can't get it. Many people don't know this. Many people don't know this, but... Uh, Alex is the originator of the whistle at High Desert Word Center whenever we go to a scripture. The boy started this when he was a teenager. And, uh, and yeah, so every time we go to a scripture, at least the you know, first scripture of the service, you hear little whistles and all this. And, well, believe it or not, it was from that man back there. All right. So uh, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. And I'm in the NLT on this, but Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, and this is a verse that you need to know. And it tells us that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Oh my goodness, there is a lot. In that verse right there, the first thing that initially catches my mind is God is not a man, so he does not lie. And I can hear all the ladies being like, mm-hmm, that's right, because man, they lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I had to get that one out of the way. But 
But it, it really is talking about God is not human. He is not mankind. Because as we know, anybody is clearly capable of lying regardless of their gender. So God is not a man. He is not a human. So he does not lie. Now check it out. I don't know if you've learned this lesson or not, if you've lived long enough to figure this out, but people lie. Even seemingly decent people lie. Or, and maybe sometimes they don't even intend to. Maybe they, again, make a promise or a guarantee or, or they speak out of turn and, and they say something. But bottom line is people lie. And they sometimes don't follow through on what they said they would do. And I will tell you that people disappoint you. But people lie. And I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And everybody in this room has lied. I have lied. You have lied. All of us have told a lie before. God has never told a lie, not once. Think about that. You're, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, however many years old you are, and you've lied. God is, well, he has no age because he's always existed. So even if you could just say that God is 10 billion years old and he's never told one in 10 billion years. Yet here we are in our young age and we've probably told, I'm going to guess, some of us have told more than one lie. Don't raise your hand, but, you know, potentially you have. And that's that's really something to think about. And, you know, one thing that I, I didn't really realize the extent of humans lying until, you know, this may sound silly, but I... I I, I like to watch, uh, like, um, law enforcement shows, but I can't handle the tough crime. So I watch uh, game warden shows where they're, like, you know, arresting people or they're writing tickets for not having a fishing license, stuff like that. And so, you know, I know that's about as hard as I can get. That's, you know, so I, I see some of this and it's just like, wow. But one thing that I've seen from watching these shows is people lie to law enforcement, like, all the time. And the funny thing is, is the more that I watch these shows, I especially like this one with the Texas game wardens, but they, uh, that, that you hear that people repeat the same lies all the time. And I'm like, this officer right here, do you know how many times he has heard that exact same lie? And you think that you're so clever that, oh, I'm going to tell him this. And you realize he's heard that 10,000 times and they see right through it. That's crazy. And so I've determined, I mean, already just simply because I'm a Christian, but even after watching these shows, if I have interaction with law enforcement, and I did recently, but anyway, I'm not going to go into that story. That's a personal story. Um, but I'm like, if they pull me over for something, I'm not going to, if I did it, I'm going to fess up. I'm not going to sit there and lie to the man because I'm not going to tell him some lie that he's never heard. He's heard every single one in the book, right? And guess what? God's heard Every single one in the book. He knows if, you know, you think you're pulling over on God? Are you serious? It's not going to happen. And, and But here's the good thing. Even though people lie, people, you know, sometimes are, they keep doing it even if they're really bad at it. Uh, God never lies. He, he always follows through on what he said he would do. All right. And so notice there's another part of this verse. I'm just kind of picking some of this apart right here. But it it says, has he ever promised and not carried it through? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And I've said it before, uh, but hey, listen, I've had prayers that have gone unanswered. (gasps) What? 
<laughs> I, I've had things that I have taken the L on, let me tell you. And, and things that I just really thought that, you know, that, that I was praying for and all, all this stuff. But as I reflect on any situation where it seems like the prayer wasn't answered or where it seems like, uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted to, on every situation, upon further review, I can see where I messed it up. Am I the only one? Uh, listen, any time that there's something has been an unanswered prayer or it didn't turn out the way that I wanted, the problem has never one time been on God's end. It's never been because he didn't have enough power. It's never been because he didn't love me enough. It's never been because he just didn't like me and didn't want to help me out. But every single time I can trace back failures to prayer or to getting answers, every time I can trace it back to something I've done, and 99% of the time it has to do with my love walk. Now, you know, there's, sometimes there's other things, but the majority of the time, if your prayers don't seem like they're getting answered, it's almost always, not every time, but a whole lot of the time has to do with your love walk. Are you loving? Are you forgiving? Are you doing unto others as you would like them to do for you? Some people read that verse wrong. They thought it said do unto others before they do unto you. No, it's do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. And I just tell you now, there's nothing that will stop your prayers or your faith from working faster than not walking in love. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. And so that's just something to consider this evening. If you're sitting there thinking like, well, man, God, he, he didn't come through for me on this one. Well, you know, we, we got to do our part too. And there could be other things. Sometimes maybe God's told you specific directions in your life. You know, the Lord's told you, hey, I need you to go do this. And you didn't do it. Well, what's going to happen? Maybe the answer to your prayer was kind of tied into that obedience right there. And I'm not saying that you're earning your answers, but certainly walking in disobedience to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you can't help. <laughs> and so if God's speaking something to your heart, I would challenge you to do it and do it as quick as you can. Whether he's saying to go, you know, bless somebody in need, whether he's saying to go do this, you know, whatever, listen and obey the spirit of God when he's speaking to you, because that could certainly be playing a role in why you seem to be not getting any answers. Now, one thing that I've noticed after being in full-time ministry for 15 years, this year was our 15th year, is I've learned that there are a lot of people with trust issues. And I guess, man, maybe I didn't fully, you know, grasp that, but I, I get it now. Um, you know, I've, I've had my, you know, my parents have been good to me and, you know, they haven't been perfect, but I, I trust them and I, I trust my church people and, and, and I've been surrounded by very good people in my life. But one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people have very deep rooted trust issues. They've had parents let them down. They've had spouses let them down. They've had people that they were supposed to be able to trust completely and totally in their life just come through and shatter their confidence. And that's kind of something that can be hard to bounce back from. But listen, don't make God pay for what other people did to you. You know, just because somebody that had the name badge that said Christian was a jerk. Well, they didn't do that in the name of God. <laughs> God didn't send them to do it. Just because you maybe had someone that said, I'll love you to the day I die. I do. And they left you. All right. That stinks. And that's awful. And that's terrible. But God isn't the one that did that. Don't 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 have trust issues with God just because some person 
let you down and didn't follow through. God is not a human, therefore he does not lie. And has he ever promised and not carried it through? And I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus can be trusted. And sometimes we do develop these trust issues. And this may sound like a silly story, but one time uh, early in my work career, um, I worked at Hardee's, all right? And the Carl's Jr. of the Midwest. It was incredible. It was a wonderful time, yes. Very great. In fact, I had a, I had a pretty good job a few weeks before, uh, up until a few weeks before I got married. I was 18, and I, I won't tell that story, but through uh, some crazy circumstances, I ended up unemployed about three weeks before I was going to marry Pastor Katie. And that was scary because, well, you know, you kind of need a job if you're going to get married, you know. Notice that God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. That's a word for somebody. Come on. All right. But also, <laughs> uh, you know, do, you know, do with that what you will, but he did have a job. He had to tend to the garden before God gave him a woman. Um, but here I am, you know, I'm already, you know, it, it, it didn't look like, you know, why are you getting married? You're, you're 18 and you're just clearly not ready for this. Then I lose my job. And the one condition, because I talked to her dad before I proposed, and he's like, hey, you know what? I'm good with this. I just want to make sure you can provide for my daughter. And I'm like, hey, sir, yes, sir, I got this. Then I lose my job. It was awful. And so, but then I, I show back up, and I'm like, you know, it's good news. I got a job at Hardee's. And everyone was like, yay, all right, good for you. And uh, and back then, Hardee's didn't pay $15 an hour, Okay. Truth be told, I made $6 an hour, and it just wasn't looking that great for me. But, uh, and on top of it, my, my father-in-law, a great man, great man, but he was a, he was a country man, and he owned a, a large collection of weapons, rifles, and things that he could really do damage to me with. So, I knew that, this was intimidating, I, I better, like, make this thing work. So, uh, I get the job, and, you know, we, I get into it, man. And I like, if I get a job, I'm going to give it, if I'm going to, honestly, if I'm going to flip burgers, I want to be the absolute best burger flipper in the whole county of San Bernardino, right? If I'm going to stack boxes for FedEx, dude, I want to stack those boxes like nobody's ever seen stacked before in their lives. If I'm going to dig ditches for the phone company, I want to dig the best ditches they have ever seen. And those are three of the illustrious jobs that I've had right there. So, uh, but so, so I, I'm working at Hardee's and they come out with this competition. Anybody in the central Indiana district that gets the best drive through time, they're going to get some courtside tickets to the, to the NBA Pacers basketball game. And you're going to get to meet the players because Hardee's is one of their big corporate sponsors. And me and my boss were like, Oh, it is on like Donkey Kong. Yeah, we're going to destroy this, man. And we did everything we could. We, man, we did. We worked ourselves so hard to get these tickets. There was like nothing in this world more that I wanted than these tickets. And, and, and he was getting some of the weekly printouts of, 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 of who was in, in the lead. And it was between us and this, this restaurant in Indianapolis. And, and, and we were coming in, coming in. And, and finally the last little bit. I don't want to get into all of it because it still kind of messes with me a little. It's been 17 years, but it still hurts. All right. The first cut is the deepest. <laughs> so they, I, I got cut. And what happened is they ended up, technically we did have the fastest time, but through some politics, the other store got the tickets. And we were just, I mean, we were floored. And, 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 and here I am. And I'm like, you know what? What's the point even trying if they're just going to always give it to somebody else? 
And I developed this attitude. And like, you know what? Why even try if you're not, if they're not going to follow through on their word? Why, what's the point in even doing it? Well, the point is, is that we are to work and do all of our work as unto the Lord, not for free basketball tickets. I mean, so there's that little truth morsel for you. Just, you know, if your work has not totally, you know, uh, done everything they should for you or honored you or, or thanked you enough, well, praise God, I'm not actually working for them anyway. I'm doing it for Jesus. Any job that I do, if I go out to Fort Irwin, I'm not only going there for the United States, I'm going there for Jesus. Amen. If I work for the railroad and they just don't appreciate my talents and my gifts and my contributions, guess what? It's okay because Jesus does. And I'm still going to work my absolute hardest because it was for him the whole time anyway. Amen. And so, uh, but, but, but I was probably kind of ticked off about this. Honestly, you know, you think it's a joke, but I, I was pretty mad. And so, and so, you know what? I, I get, you know, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to still give my best anyway, even if they didn't follow through. And I'm not going to say that I'm not going to have this attitude of what's the point in even trying. You know, there's always a point in trying because of Jesus. And so, uh, make a long story short, man. You know, the Lord ended up by far making this over to me in so many ways. And, um, in 2009 or 10 or something, I don't know. I've told this. I'm not going into all of it. But uh, Tom, is Thomas in here? Thomas, I met a man named Maurice. <laughs> yeah. So I met a man named Maurice, good friend that worked for the for the Clippers. And anyway, long story, man, the man started hooking me up with with suites and 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 courtside tickets and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, so close to the court that you were feeling the player's sweat just rain down on you. And some of you think that's gross, but at the time I was like, "Oh, this is great. Oh my gosh. Maybe I'll be good at basketball now." <laughs> and so anyway, God made it up, but I had to change my attitude and my heart. And now you, you know, probably couldn't pay me to go to an NBA game. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Amen. So praise God. I'm telling you, don't develop a bad attitude just because a person or a company or somebody else did you wrong. God will make it right. I'm telling you that right now. And I want to say this to you tonight. I want you to get this. If you'll give God time. And trust him. He will make up for the times that people let you down. I'm going to repeat it because that was a pretty good one, honestly. I'm going to repeat that again. If you'll give God time and trust him, he will make up for the times that people let you down. Amen. He will do it. You stand on his word. People have let me down, but God never has. We trust him. Even when people have been bad to us. I read a story about a group of scientists. They were studying a, a kind of a wild and unique flower out in the mountains. And, and, and so they, they found one, but it was on the side of a, a really ste- a steep ravine. And there was a, kind of a young boy kind of walking by and watching what they were doing. And like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they told him. And, uh, and they said, you know what? Hey, kid, if we put this harness around you, we'll pay you a couple hundred dollars if you'll, you'll climb down there and get this flower. And we'll hold the rope. And he thought about it for a minute. And he said, give me a minute. I'll be right back. So the little boy comes running back with a, a man with him. And he's like, I'll go get your flower if this guy holds the rope. And they're like, well, who's that? And he's like, this is my dad. I trust my dad. I don't know you guys. <laughs> and so I'm telling you, that's the attitude that a Christian should have. I'll do anything that I need to do as long as my dad is the one holding the rope. 
right? If it's a person, no thank you, because they've let me down. But that's okay. I don't hold it against them. I'm not mad at people. I love people and all this stuff. But check it out. I trust him. He's never let me down, even if people have. Let's look at Psalm 91 this evening. Psalm 91. Oh, man, that's a good one, isn't it? Who loves Psalm 91? Sure you do, yeah. Psalm 91 is, I mean, one of the all-time greats. Psalm 91, and we're going to look at the first couple of verses here in the New King James. Psalm 91, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, but this is some good stuff right here. And so it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Does it say, he who visits the secret place of the Most High? No, man. This is talking about somebody that dwells. Somebody that, I mean, they, Jesus, the Word of God, that's their entire life. They don't just visit or drive by and nod. No, they dwell in the secret place of the Most High. They shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Amen. In Him, I love that word, I will trust. That is a powerful thing for us to get a hold of tonight. Man, He is my refuge. He is my fortress, and I absolutely trust him. I want you to look at chapter 56, Psalm 56. Oh man, we could go in the Psalms all day long. I love the book of Psalms. Were any of you here for our summer in the Psalms? See, yeah, that was, that wasn't that fun. I had a good time with that. I mean, that was awesome. I love the summer. Maybe we'll do it again next summer, but I love the summer in the Psalms. We did, we, we did every Wednesday night in the summertime looking at, uh, some different, uh, chapters in the Psalms. And it was really great. I love the Psalms. But Psalm 56, and we're going to look here at verses three and four. Psalm 56, verses three and four. This is a Psalm of David. He says, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Oh man, I'm going to read that again. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has what? Promised. There's that word. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Oh yes. What can people do to me? My trust is in God. I praise Him for what He has promised. That is a powerful thing for us tonight. You don't have to have a spirit of fear. You don't have to have fear gripping your life if you're trusting in Him. And so why should I be afraid? What could people do to me anyway if God is on my side? And so I'm going to say this again. A promise is only as good as the word of the one making it. And a promise is only good if the receiver trusts the promise maker. It's only going to work for you if the receiver trusts the promise maker. I'm telling you tonight, trust him. I've got one more point to make, just two points tonight. But number two is this, is you have to take his word seriously. 
and you probably think, well, you say that every sermon. Yes, I do. 52 weeks a year, two or three sermons a week. I will probably say this 150, 200 times a year. Listen to me, that you have to take his word seriously. Don't go around and say things like, I'm standing on the promises when you don't take the Bible seriously because you're not. Uh, you know, I had someone one time tell me, uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just standing on the promises, man. You know how it is, man. Standing on the promises of God, man. And I'm like, uh, okay, that, yeah, praise God. What, like, what, what promises? I don't know. Okay, well, what, what verses are you standing on? Well, I, none really. I'm like, well, then why'd you say you were standing on the promises, dude? What are you talking, what are you talking about? And I don't mean that mean. That's not disrespectful, but don't just go around using cute Christian phrases if you're, if it's not true. If you're not standing on any Bible verses, if you're not actually standing on any promises, then don't say you're standing on the promises. The truth is, you know, you would like for God to do a miraculous thing in your life because we all do. But to stand on God's promises means that you're actually taking his word seriously. And, you know, you're going to have to open up God's word. You have to open the Bible to find out what belongs to you in order to actually receive it. Have you ever had a device, maybe your iPhone or whatever that you use, but you never actually took the time to read the manual or, or, or read what actually comes with it and what you can actually do with it? I mean, I've, you know, sometimes people give me a multi-tool or something neat and, you know, being a dude, I don't typically sit there to read the instruction manual. That just doesn't sound like fun to me. I'd rather get the thing out and see what I can blow up, right? And, but, but sometimes if you actually read the instructions that came with it, you find out that your tool or your gadget can do incredible things you didn't even know it could do. And I'm telling you tonight, there is some incredible stuff the, prom, the Bible promises that you can do, that you can have, and you have no idea it's even in there. Most Christians are not anywhere near walking in the full capacity of the life that God has for them. Living well below their means of what the Bible says you can have. You realize the Bible says that you can be healthy and healed and not have to live sick and miserable and, and all the time going through stuff. The, the Bible, you know, it, it, it has so many promises. It says you can have the peace which surpasses all understanding in your life. It says that you can have the joy of the Lord to be your strength. There's so, I mean, again, thousands of promises in here that the Bible says belong to us. And most people have no idea. And, you know, we've heard this acronym before that Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Here's the instruction book to life. We're like, man, I just wish I could figure life out. Read the instruction book. It's in there. Read the instruction book and the answers on how to live your life are in there. You want to know how to be a good husband? Read the book. It's in there. Want to know how to be a good wife? It's in the book. You want to know how to, you know, be a good child, be a good parent. You want to know how to be a good person. It's all in the instruction manual. You just got to open it up and read it. Well, that would take time. Hey, you've got time for TikTok. Okay, I'm going to say it again. You got time. I heard someone the other day, yeah, I, I, I'll admit, I, I watch two or three hours of TikTok a day. I'm like, what type of life do you live where you have, I wish, man, good Lord, that would be awesome to have three hours of 
wasteful time a day? Dude, I'd love to have 30 minutes of time I could waste. That would just be insane off the charts. Mind-blowingly wonderful. But I mean, I know this isn't my sermon, but let's just go there, man. If the shoe fits, if you've got three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day to waste on TikTok or whatever, YouTube, whatever it is you're doing, don't you dare say that you don't have time for the Bible. And don't come crying when you don't get any answers to your prayers and tell me that, oh, I don't even know if God's real anymore. He's more real than TikTok. He's more real than, you know, seriously. Just, there's a lot of people, this isn't the sermon, but don't be a lazy Christian. Don't be lazy with your faith. You know, a lot of, you don't realize the people, oh, okay, let's go, let's do it. I wasn't going to, but now I'm going to. Do you realize the people that were burned at the stake so you could have a Bible in your language? William Tyndall, man, this guy, you know, to, to translate the Bible into the English language, the, the, the English government took his life and burned him at the stake, man, because he wanted you to have a Bible you could read and not just have to take the, the Pope's word for it. And we don't have enough value that we could sit there on our phone for hours a day, but not open this up for a little bit. That's something to think about, man. Don't say, you know, oh, man, there's a quote. I just saw it recently, but I don't want to miss say it. But, oh, here it is. Don't say God has been silent when your Bible has been shut. God, oh, God, just don't ever speak to me. He wrote you 66 books, all wrapped in to one book. God wrote you an entire couple thousand page book. Yeah, he don't never say nothing to me, man. Oh, he speaks every day loud and clear. Don't you dare accuse him of not doing his part when you won't do your part. I'm standing on the promises. Which ones, man? Open it up. It's full of them. Do you realize that this isn't just a book? It is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts of our heart. Hebrews 4.12. The word, that's the word of God right there. This is a living thing, man. It is powerful. And so it is just, you cannot expect to really walk in victory if you won't take God's word seriously. And it may require some sacrifice. It may mean that I've got to get up 20 minutes early. It may mean that I got to stay up 20 minutes late. It may mean that I got to cut out, you know, maybe I could cut TikTok's hours back and give God 20 of those minutes out of the three hours that I'm spending on there every day. Thank you, Ner- thank you, Irma. <laughs> thank you, Irma. I'm just saying, I'm, you know, I, I don't know, man. This was not in my notes. I, I promise you, this was not in my notes, but it, apparently someone needs to hear this. And so just, Listen, the reason that we would even go there is because my desire in life as a Christian man and as a pastor is I want everybody in my realm of influence to be a victorious Christian. I want you to pray and get answers to those prayers. I don't want you to be sick and miserable and depressed and down and out and poor and broke and miserable. And the only way that we can get there is through the word of God. And so don't, don't say, well, God never speaks to me. He does. You gotta open, He wrote you a letter. He wrote you an entire letter. 
read the letter. If I give you a letter and say, hey, this is really important. I, I put ever my whole heart into this. I want you to read it. And then you're like, oh, okay, thanks. I mean, you know how hurtful that would be? Like, dude, I, you know, I kind of meant a lot to me. <laughs> and it kind of meant a lot to the people that passed it on for thousands of years. People have given their lives, risked their livelihoods, had their homes and their children, and they've been imprisoned and, and, and in chains and killed and beheaded and all this stuff just to pass down the word of God to us. People have given a lot. For the word of God. And I've even heard about like the days in, in, in some countries where the Bible is illegal. There's people that they just have one page. Maybe a, maybe a little village or a community will get one Bible in their language. And so maybe they'll give each person a page and, and that person will guard that one page with their entire life. Man, maybe they just got one one page, one chapter out of it. And, and it's that that is that's all they've got. But man, it's the most precious and valuable thing that they've got man i've got i've got a lot of bibles okay <laughs> i've got my favorite one is i've got a bible from the 1800s that i came across and i i own it it's like 130 years old or something and it's really cool i don't use it a lot because i don't want it to fall apart but i, I my one of my point is i've got tons of bibles and i don't even think that much about it i've got different translations different languages but on top of that i've got an iphone with a bible app that has like you know Tons of translations. It, it's, it, it texts me every morning the verse of the day. And, and, and you know, it, it's so easy. It's so convenient. It is so easy, honestly. The Word of God is so available to us in the United States of America. It's very available. Very, I mean, and you can read, you're literate. You, you know, it, it's so available to us that we should not take it for granted. That's all I'm saying. You know, the, yes, God wants to do some things in your life, but you will not be victorious until you begin taking his word seriously. It's an incredible book. I really, really, really recommend getting into the Bible. It'll absolutely change your life. And you need to see what's in there. I heard a story that Kenneth Hagin told about there was this old man in the early 1900s in Chicago, but he died in his poor, run-down, raggedy apartment. You know, in the, the bad part of town, this man was kind of a panhandler on the streets. You know, the people in the local community, they knew who he was. They'd see him kind of digging through trash and, you know, dressed in rags and all this stuff. Well, you know, after they didn't see him for a few days, you know, they, they went, people found him. He was dead in his apartment. And the autopsy, you know, of the day revealed that he had died of malnutrition. The strange thing about this man was... They also found, a, he always wore kind of a change purse on him, and they opened this up and found $23,000 in it. We're talking about 120 years ago when $23,000 would have been like hundreds of thousands of dollars today. Yet the man died of malnutrition and died in abject poverty. He could have stayed in the nicest place in the city. He could have ate the best food, but why did he not? do that? Why, why did he die the way that he did? Because he didn't use what belonged to him. There are, are incredible things that belong to you as a daughter of the God Almighty. There, there are things that, that, that as, as a son of God, there are privileges. There are things that belong to you. You don't have to go through life miserable, sick, sad, depressed, just, you know, you don't, I mean, you can, but you don't have to, right? I can be a millionaire and die of starvation. I have that right. 
but I don't have to die that way. I don't have to live that way if it's all right there for me. And God has a lot of incredible promises in his word that belong to us. You literally are a child of the king. And I know that's a phrase that we, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a child of the king. No, 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 no. God, you, you get this, right? That you've been adopted. You've been adopted into the family of God. Romans 8 tells us this, that you have been adopted and Jesus Christ is the firstborn of many brethren, all right, brothers and sisters. And so God's the father. And if we're looking at this, right, Jesus is the big brother and you are a member of the family of God. And my family never had nothing. We was on the wrong side of the tracks and okay, well, you got adopted. So, hey, you know, praise God for them. And, you know, they did the best they could, but you are a part of the family of God. And God is a rich, rich man. God is a good, good man, and he wants the best for his children. There's no way that we have to live, uh, you know, just miserable when God's our father, man. Talk to your dad. Talk to the father. Get a hold of him, and you can go boldly to the throne of grace. Psalm 119, verse 140. Let's go. Psalm 119, verse 140. This is a good one. Psalm 119, verse 140. And... You need to see this. Psalm 119 is an incredible chapter. Longest chapter in the whole Bible. Psalm 119, verse 140. And it says, Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. The promises of God, the Word of God, it's been tested and proven to work. You know, before some company can release a new product out to the public, they've got to go through all these tests, right? They've got to test it, and they've got to do a, a chemical test. They've got to do a this test, a quality test, and this test. They test, test, test to make sure that what they're putting out there is trustworthy. And I'm telling you, the Word of God, the promises of God have been put to the test for thousands of years, and you can trust them they do work, and that is why I love them so much, according to King David. That is incredible. Amen. And so one thing that people are always saying, you know, I'm just trying to cling to the word. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying so hard to just cling, cling, cling. And 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 and, and I, I, I kind of get that, but it doesn't have to be that way where you're trying so hard to just cling. I heard this great story again from Kenneth Hagin. It's probably one of my favorite stories that he told. And I looked this story up and found it, and it, it's a true story. But in the 1930s, the U.S. Navy had been ex- experimenting with airships. And if you're familiar with history, you know that this didn't turn out well. <laughs> There's a lot of airships that blew up and stuff like that. But, you know, in our, think about like the Goodyear blimp, all right? So airships, blimps, things like that. And on May 11th, 1932, the airship, the USS Akron, was in San Diego. Over 10,000 people gathered around to watch the Navy send this thing up. But they didn't account for the, the, the temperature of the sunlight that day. It, it caused the helium to heat up more than it was supposed to. So the blimp took off while several sailors tried to pull it back down. It all happened super fast. Most of the sailors were okay, but a few kind of floated up trying to hold on to it and fell down to their deaths. 
It was a bad situation, actually. And, uh, but there was this one sailor that was still dangling in the air from this rope. And they were trying to get the airship down. And it was, it was a minute's turned into, you know, had half an hour, an hour, and, and there was people on the ground just screaming. And the, the newspaper said women were passing out, children were screaming, grown men were on their knees like, what's going to happen? When's this guy? And yet this man's just dangling in the air for, I mean, a very long time. And they're like, what in the world? How is he still holding on? And so they finally get it down, and and, and the sailor is set free. And they're like, what? How did you do that? How did you hold on? He's like, oh, wait, no. When I saw what was happening, he's like, I I wrapped the rope around me real quick and tied an knot around it. I was fine. I was totally fine the entire time. I wasn't holding on to the rope. The rope was holding on to me. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Some of us, I'm just trying to hold on for dear life to the promises. But if you will wrap yourself in the promises of God, you're not holding on to God. He's holding on to you. Amen. Wrap yourself. Make it your entire life. And that young sailor, true story, his name was Bud Cowart. He was from Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And a true story. And I love that story. But what an incredible thing. And so when you wrap yourself up in God's promises, man, it'll change your life. I love it. All right. Um, uh, kind of out of time here. I don't know. You got a few more minutes. I keep doing this every night time. All right. Well, go to John 15. I don't, I don't know. John 15. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're looking at John 15, but speaking of the promises, um, you know, we had an interesting situation, uh, springtime of last year. And I've told this story, but, uh, we, uh, yeah, it was, um, oh, it was a weeknight. And my little boy, Sam, was climbing up on the kitchen counter, which he shouldn't have been, but, you know, little boys do these things. And so he's up there, and all of a sudden, man, I just hear this loud smack. And I'm like, oh, no good. That was... So we run in there, and he had fallen off, man, and just boom, head first, right there uh, on the, the 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 hardwood floor. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I've been a dad a while, got four kids, seen some dumb things. And uh, and so I don't usually flip out, but he comes walking up to me and he's like, I'm tired. And like, just like passes out on my, on my lap. I'm like, oh. Then he wakes up and, you know, starts throwing up. So I'm like, all right, let's go ahead and take him in. This isn't good. This this hasn't happened before. I haven't had a kid actually pass out, and so we take him in, and uh, and and so uh, at the time only one parent could go in because of COVID and all that. It's probably the same thing now. But anyway, so he's in there, and she calls me like uh, they did an X-ray. They said he's got a skull fracture, and they are taking him to Loma Linda. They're getting ready to get us on the ambulance. They said you can come in and pray with them real quick. So I go in, they've got him in a neck brace and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And, and so he's just loopy. He's not with it. So we pray over him in the name of Jesus. And here's the thing. I don't, and I know you're like this too. So it's not me. You are like this. When we pray, it's not a wish. It's not my lucky rabbit foot. You know, it's not my, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. I, God, could you do something? I mean, we pray the prayer of faith around here. We're faith people. And so we lay hands on him fully expecting in the name of Jesus 
for what, you know, whatever, you know, for God to do something. I'm not going to tell God what to do. I'm going to say, God, man, thank you. He's healed and coming through this. And so she drive. they, they get in the ambulance, go down to Loma Linda and it's about midnight. They had got down there and I'm expecting, you know, like it's going to be a while. So she calls me like, I mean, a half an hour later, can you come pick us up? I'm like, huh? What? Can you come pick us up? Yeah, they just x-rayed him. They said, there's there's no fracture. There's nothing wrong. There's no, they had mentioned maybe his eardrum had been busted. And and, and the, none of that. He's totally fine. Totally fine. And I'm like, wow, because when I saw him, and I, he was just loopy and out of it. So I drive down to Loma Linda, pick him up and all this. And, and I'm, you know, I'm praising God. And, and my first thought was, you know, I'm going to be honest. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm like, man, BCH misdiagnosed another one. They just really didn't. That's what I thought. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. And then, uh, and then I'm like, you know what? No, praise God. Listen to me. You think that God is not, uh, they probably totally read that x-ray, right? And, 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 and listen, somewhere between Barstow and Loma Linda, God did a miracle. I don't, you know, somewhere between there. And so I give him the praise for that, that whatever it was, all I know is it didn't look good and Jesus healed him. Well, why is that? Because listen, we, and I know so many of you have decided we're just going to wrap ourselves in the promises of God. And when something crazy happens, I don't have to flip out, freak out, you know, no, I don't have to because I know that he is with us and I trust him with everything. Amen. All right. John 15, John 15, really quick, really quick. John 15 verses five through eight, John chapter 15 verses five through eight. And I just wanted to really wanted to pull one verse out of this passage, but I'm going to read a couple of verses here. John 15, and we're going to look here at verses five through eight. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, sounds like Psalm 91, talking about you got to abide under the shadow. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Look at verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, check it out, you may ask for anything you want. Now, I only believe that God wants you to have your needs. You may believe that, but the Bible says otherwise. It says you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Ooh. You know, and again, that's something people get tripped up on. You know, God doesn't want you to have your desires. He only cares about your needs. Well, how come Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. First John tells us that we can ask for anything according to his will. And we got to know that he hears us and he will give us the things that we have asked for. Here's the thing. If you've got a right heart with God, you're going to ask for things according to God's will. Right? You know, that. I mean, that's just a no-brainer. And so you can't ask for God to, you know, God, I want you to go break that guy's kneecap. He's been a jerk. You're not going to get that. That's not according to the word of God. You know, God, I want that guy's job. God, I want that. No, no, no. That, that's, no, that's stupid. That's not going to happen. When, when we are talking about a born-again Christian asking for things that are clearly in line with the word, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be 
granted. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And so if that's too much for you to get, then it's don't blame me. That's what Jesus said. Why in the world does Jesus want you to have some miraculous things happen in your life? Why? Well, he loves you. But verse eight, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. When you produce fruit, when cool and wonderful things happen in your life, we already know you're not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I did that. No, you're going to say, oh, no, no, no. I'm blessed because of my father. I've been adopted into a great family. That's all I can say. You know, hate on me all you want, but I've been brought in to the family of God. My dad's a, he's a king <laughs> and he's awesome. And uh, and so my dad did this. My father did this. Jesus did this in my life. When you get blessed as a Christian, it brings great glory to the Father. Amen? And so that's why God wants to do some really super cool things in your life because you're not going to take the credit for it. You're going to give Him the praise and the glory and the credit and it's going to bring glory to the Father. So let's stand on God's promises and watch Him do some awesome things in your life. Amen? All right, we are done. Let's be done. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise the Lord. Who has enjoyed reading God's promises this evening? As Josh ascends Mount Platform, I'm going to need my prayer team to come up with me this evening. And if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we, of course, we'd love to pray with you and be in agreement tonight for the Lord to work in your life and in your situation. Uh, but if you don't need prayer, that's cool, too. Let's just take a few minutes to worship our Father. Amen. Let's go. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. Still in your hands This is my confidence That you never failed me I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe I'll see you do it again made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again I'll see you do it again I'll see you do it again Your promise still stands And great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness 
I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence That you never failed me Your promise still stands And great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence never failed me I've seen you move you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move you move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again I'll see you do it again Alright, well we'll go ahead and wind things down this evening Appreciate everybody being with us to hear the word of God tonight. Amen. I want to remind you that uh, this Sunday is the big Christmas service Sunday morning. And so be there, invite somebody, bring somebody. And of course, young adults, Thursday night with Laura Cook over there in Victory Hall, 630. It's going to be a really, really great night. And uh, the, the concert is Friday night at 7 Please come out to that. Uh, I've wanted to have her in to do this for a lot of years, and so we're glad it's finally happening this year. Be here. Invite somebody. It's going to be a really, really excellent evening. Amen. All right, let's go ahead, and we'll close in prayer and speak some words of faith over Barstow. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, for uh, your word and all the all the things that we've looked at tonight. And Lord, just like uh, it said in Psalm 91, he is my God and I trust him. And Lord, even if people have let us down, you never have. Even if people have sometimes been bad to us, you've never been bad to us. You've only been good. And Lord, if there's things in our life that we need to change, if there's areas we need to make some corrections in order for us to really walk in the fullness of your promise, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to see it and help us to do it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that this week as we're coming into the last couple weeks before Christmas and everything, I thank you, Lord, for the peace of God in every household here. In Jesus' name, Lord, for the joy of the Lord as our strength. And Lord, for the blessing of God on on every household, on their health, on their finances, on their families, everything, Lord. And may this be a wonderful and Merry Christmas, Lord, as we put you at the center of it all and remember to praise you and celebrate you we love you we give you thanks in jesus name can everybody say amen all right let's close it out with the barstow faith confession we declare that barstow is a blessed city our families are blessed our schools are blessed our churches are blessed Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday.